on today's episode of Refried Reviews, Canada! <laughs> I guess welcome, so. Welcome to uh, Refried Reviews, everybody. I'm John. JP. And um, yeah, at JP's suggestion, I'm pretty sure this one was you. It was, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we watched Akira, or if you want to be a dick about it, Akira. <laughs> um, but we're not going to do that. It's mm-hmm. Akira, because Akira sounds cooler. Nah, uh, rolls um, off the tongue easier. Yeah, it's a little bit easier. Um, and uh, when did this come out? It was like mid-late 80s? Uh, yeah, that sounds okay. about right. Yeah. Because I remember, like, I was thinking back, my very first memory, and I couldn't find the original commercial, but I remember when I was a kid, I would watch uh, cartoons on TNT, excuse me, on TNT, and they would run this mail-order Akira commercial in between, like, Looney Tunes and Popeye episodes. (laughs) Really? And it was, like, clips of the movie saying it was an amazing movie, and then it gave you an 800 number that you could call to order a VHS (laughs) copy of it. Um and years and years later, when I heard that it was this legitimately awesome thing, you know, I finally sat down and watched it. But wh- where'd you where'd you run into this this masterpiece? I forget exactly where. I think it was like early high school years, but it was definitely yeah. like a sort of a, a specialty movie at the time. Like this was when we were going to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and yeah. I didn't necessarily have a cure yet. I had it down a little bit, yeah. but I, I sort of remember, uh, remember a similar thing of it having kind of a reputation. And, yeah. and it was sort of like, if you don't know what anime is, you should go watch that one. Yeah. And that'll at least give you a, the, the gist. <laughs> yeah. And it's still true. Like, it, I think it's far and away the best anime anybody's ever made. It's like, pretty amazing. Like, it's either that or something Miyazaki did. And it was 1988, by the way. 1988. Okay. Based on, like, a 3,000-page manga. Yeah, um, yeah. Which Isn't is, it, like, 99 volumes or some crazy yeah, thing? Yeah, it's enormous. <laughs> like, it takes up a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, even at two hours, this movie feels absurdly overstuffed. Oh, it's very dense. Yeah. Um, love it. It's really good. I mean, you know, the short answer review, you can turn it off right now if you want to, guys, <laughs> is uh, I really liked it. You know, what do you think? Second oh, yeah, around. definitely. It's it's a gorgeous movie. I always uh, like oh, to go back and check it out. It's so fucking pretty. It and Blade Runner are tied for best future yeah, it's a good comparison. Well, I hadn't really thought about that. Well, most <laughs> best is kind yeah, of a... <laughs> not, not best. I don't want to live in either of these futures. Yeah, we might as well throw in her and all the yeah. other really dreary kind of... <laughs> oh, I would much rather live in the her future. Like, yeah, because Genesis her... Evangelion? Uh, no, not that one. Yeah. I don't want to get killed by Adam and Eve, who are also angels <laughs> somehow, um, or end up sitting in a chair for a whole episode. <laughs> um, no, I mean, her, like the universe of her, like, sure, like those people are sad, but I believe there are happy people in that universe. Like, I mean, Chris, Chris Pratt seems pretty fulfilled. So you think we were, we were just watching like the indie movie version from the future? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. All right. Um, I think I hadn't really thought about it. I think there's a whole spectrum of emotional experiences. We're just, you know, picturing some of those. I don't think, I guess uh, they were people watching a lot of sort of happy, normal looking folks. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, people are taking their kids out for pizza. (laughs) People are going on first dates that go better than his with living a while. (laughs) Um, People are, you know, you know, getting married, loving each other and dying. Like that's normal human shit. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And sometimes they're doing with operating systems, (laughs) doing it. Uh, Yeah. um, But this future 
is not nearly as fun. Um, <laughs> you want to give us a quick rundown of the premise? Okay, so I believe, was it, um, did they say the exact year when sort of the original Akira incident happened? I think was it was it the... 1988. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's what I was thinking. Um, so there was sort of this this cataclysmic disaster that we don't know that much about entering entering in the world we just yeah. sort of hear about it by reputation we just know that it kicked off world war three yeah they sort of uh Which, they, what they slipped that by you pretty quick <laughs> yeah didn't make any damn sense at all. Um, yeah, so we're in a we're in sort of Neo Tokyo, which was uh, recently rebuilt, and it turns out that uh, World War II affects more than American pop culture. Yeah, and, uh, there's sort of a, yeah. a heavy influence of the you know post city destruction and what that yeah. can do to a civil, uh, civilization and yeah. stuff. I mean, this so much of Japan's pop culture, I think, can be read through the lens of them being the only civilization to ever have an atomic bomb yeah. dropped on them. Definitely. Like, <laughs> looking at you, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's sort of a sort of a dystopian future. Mm -hmm. And uh, the characters that were introduced to it through are a rather unpleasant biker gang, considering mm -hmm. they're our protagonists. Yeah, uh, that's something I want to talk about real quick, is that like no one's really that likable in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, speaking of rapey, there's a lot of kind of weird stuff going on in the background and a lot of abusive yeah. misogyny and violence in general. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, 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 like, I feel like I could have read it as being very true to how, like, 14-year-old guys and girls act when they're just, like, ruffians. Because mm -hmm. these are, like, I mean, we see them in, like, reform school and everything being told by their teachers, like, if you flunk out here, you're going to go to jail. Right. Like, these aren't good kids. They're, they're pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> and maybe that sort of informs why, like, they're di really disrespectful to the girls they keep around. And, like, the girls are kind of disrespectful to them back. Mm -hmm. And and that sort of weird culture of just snipiness. Well, it definitely seems like it's, uh, at least where they're living, it's probably you're in a gang or nothing. Like, yeah. it seems like a pretty tough street area in general. Yeah. Um, so uh, our heroes, I guess, are, are the capsule gang. Yeah. And it seems like sort of a very uh, pharmacy-dependent future yeah, between yeah. the politicians and the gangs. Yeah. Everyone sort of seems to be popping pills. And they have a rivalry with the, the clown gang. <laughs> so the, the first thing I wrote down here is, can clown makeup work as intimidation like if they did the live action remake they've been threatening for years and yeah. years well they scuttled the last attempt with zach efron and relocating it to new york <laughs> thank christ uh-huh um i don't know man I could think... you pull it off and it like a chris nolan well i guess the joker is kind of that aesthetic yeah i think the joker kind of ruined that like yeah. you can't do it now because if you do a scary clown and he's not going to turn into a spider in the third act <laughs> you're doing the joker yeah so i mean i wouldn't um i wouldn't touch it i would turn them into something else yeah um make them the baseball furies <laughs> <laughs> so um Canada, i mean <laughs> come out to play yay <laughs> well, we should say so we both watched the new uh retranslated subtitled version the movie was retranslated in 2001 when i first saw it back in high school i saw the old translation which was notoriously hard to understand especially where it comes to the more metaphysical aspects of the yeah. film toward I, the end it sort of gets even harder to understand yeah and i felt like the retranslation like i had a pretty good idea of like why this was happening it was like a next stage of human evolution kind of thing mm -hmm. and um but one of the the side effects is that whenever i watched it is when i was younger i watched the dub version in which they pronounced the main protagonist's name is canada um <laughs> which sounds like that sounds like a guy's name sure he's sure. canada um, in the subtitled version, his name is pronounced Canada. 
and that's really distracting. Uh-huh. Um, like, was it just me, or did you find yourself going like Canada? I mean, I think you can go a little bit hard. Eh? I think it's like Canada if you want to try and add a little Japanese I mean, spin I think to it's it. Con- if that makes I think, it easier. I think he was saying Canada. Um, like yeah. I heard Canada every time, <laughs> and that just turned into Canada. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I always watched it in Japanese. I mean, mm. I'm I'm sure I saw the dub at some point, but you elitist. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Um, so as we're saying it, it's weird sort of how unlikable these characters are where our introduction to them is them basically riding around the streets and like uh, throwing Molotov cocktails at cars and, yeah. and fighting this clown gang, which it's worth noting, like did nothing to them. Right. Like, they just hear like the very first scene is they're all hanging out and then someone's like, oh, I hear those dickheads. The clowns are down the block. <laughs> and then like. Canada uh, is like, let's go fuck them up, and everybody's like, yeah, let's go fuck them up. Like, our heroes totally started that fight. Yeah, and I noticed that even though the the movie isn't super gory by like anime standards, I mean the oh, transformation God. at the end is gnarly. But I mean in terms of like disemboweling people and stuff. But the like immediately they're swinging clubs at people with like yeah. loose screws and nails, and yeah, no, it was I felt, definitely an I ugly universe. Impact. Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, in the next scene when that guy gets shot up and uh-huh. he's all like just twitching, like that's that's one of the, the the hallmarks of this was I think it was the first time Western audiences saw how good animation could look mm-hmm. because just for some historical context, like the main things we were seeing in animation, I mean, sure we had seen Disney movies and everything, and there were things coming out around that time, really daring uh, animation like uh, you know Rats of Nim and Fievel and all of that stuff, um, but not much literally directed at adults. Yeah, not not none of it was directed at adults and none of it had the comparative realism. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're watching like animated science fiction, probably the last thing you saw is heavy metal, which I also watched um, <laughs> yesterday um, or no on Friday night. And uh, yeah, it uh, it's still like rudimentary looking, but the way like it's little things like um, dear listeners, do an experiment, hold your hand up and then drop it and stop it when your arm is parallel to the ground. If you do that, you'll notice that your arm doesn't just stop. It bounces back a little bit. Mm -hmm. In animation, that's called a bounce back. And you know to animate for those just because it gives uh, bodies a sense of weight Mm -hmm. when they're moving. And if you watch like G.I. Joe or Transformers or Thundercats or whatever, then usually what you see is... Um, if someone's moving their arm in a 45 degree arc like that, they'll be given sort of four in between frames and then they'll just stop their arm and there's no bounce back or anything. And that's kind of the two things that really set the animation apart in this movie is the bounce backs and also what are called in animation terms in betweens, mm-hmm. um, which is basically if you're going to have someone swing their arm in a 45 degree arc, just put more frames in there. Um, most animation is, uh, is done what's called on twos, which means you hold on each picture you've drawn for two frames. It's 24 frames in a second. Um, this for the most part looks like it was done on ones, Mm -hmm. which means you've got twice as much to work with. I mean, it means you're going to have to draw way the fuck more, but it also means that you've got a whole lot more in terms of, uh, you know, the smoothness of it. Um, and that, that's, that's a big part of why it blew my mind so much when I was younger was because I just didn't know this was possible. I mean, the, uh, 
the animation of Tetsuo pulling the shard of glass out of his foot oh, is like fuck. burned into my mind from elementary school. Yeah. Like seeing it last night, it looked identical to how it did in my memory. Yeah. yeah. Just how the whole, you know, skin tugs with it and it's yeah. so detailed. Uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't mean to derail it. So they're fighting the clowns. And uh, I, I did think it was it was sort of funny um, knowing what happens to Tetsuo and really most of these characters. I thought it was sort of funny that really the last thing he does that leads him into this whole mess is he cracks a dude's skull with a pipe. <laughs> and that's when he's not paying attention for a second and crashes into this esper weirdo little child yeah this, and uh, this when freaky, the adventure starts this freaky experimented upon kid who there's like a resistance movement that's trying to like overthrow the government um and then there's also the military who doesn't really like the central council of the government and the, the resistance has a mole it's very confusing mm-hmm. um a lot but, of corruption a lot of anger yeah there's there's a whole lot of angst my i, I have a couple of main questions um the first is now the public knows who Akira is. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, you know, there's like a sect of people who like street preachers who worship him, and we know as the film goes on that the truth of the matter is that um, Akira had this like psychic episode, which is what caused. Um, I think they said like he had a moment of transcendence, mm-hmm. and that's what caused the big cataclysm um, that blew up Tokyo. Yeah. Um, I got the impression from the beginning of the film that that was all classified information. That was like the hidden truth. And it, it definitely seems like it's it's sort of information that's leaked out in little bits where maybe maybe the public doesn't know everything, but they've just sort of heard all these little conspiracy theories. And, you and know, that's where and, the Church of Akira comes from? Yeah, and okay. sort of like religious nuts have taken it up as their cause. Um so that, that was sort that of the impression that I got. Who's always sitting on a little litter and everything. Yeah. Yeah, with his big weird fro. Well, I love the painting symbols on the street. Like mm-hmm. all the all the sort of culty stuff is very well executed in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so basically, uh, Tetsuo runs into... And Tetsuo's place in the gang, by the way, is he's always like the little whiny second fiddle. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Kaneda feels like he has to protect him. And Kaneda's kind of a dick about it because um, <laughs> Kaneda's kind of a dick about everything. Yeah, and like they were friends since they were kids so it's yeah. sort of always been protecting a little run yeah and uh he runs into tetsuo runs into this uh like little kid who also looks like a little old man yeah they're called the espers on wikipedia oh they are so that's what i kind of wrote down like from final I, fantasy i guess okay. <laughs> um and uh i mean the impression i got about these kids is that they were like experimented on starting 30 years ago mm-hmm. so they're not they're like 40 or so and, right, right but they've been like their growth's been stunted because they've gotten all these weird psychic experiments done on them or something mm-hmm. and uh that's fucked up now how do you <laughs> think tetsuo gets the power I mean, did he already have it or? Yeah, that that wasn't really clear to me. I mean, I, I guess we can jump all over the place since this movie is so complicated. Yeah, like we're we're never um, gonna be able to, we're never gonna be able to summarize this thing. <laughs> but I, w- I was gonna ask your opinion on uh, toward the very end when there yeah. are sort of the flashbacks where it seems like Tetsuo is like with all the little kids going In the experimental through tests and stuff. Was that like? I don't think he was. Yeah, I, I took that to mean maybe like sort of, you mean literally in the footage he wasn't? or I mean literally like in, the in the footage, I don't believe he was. Oh, okay. He was because, just viewing glimpses of, yeah, of their history. Yeah, because what we saw was there was the scenes of them in the little classroom and there were four desks. Mm-hmm. And we know there's three little freaky psychic kids and then mm-hmm. there's Akira. I see. And I think Akira was the fourth kid. And he mm-hmm. was the one who just like took to it. 
better than anybody else. I see. And that's why he achieved transcendence and he can do more than bend spoons, basically. Hmm. Well, Not I was that thinking... the other kids can just bend spoons. They can do a lot of creepy shit. <laughs> Make giant bears and bunnies oh, and shit. Oh, God, the bears <laughs> and the bunnies and the car. Oh, oh yeah, the car. Fuck a the duck. veiny car. Yeah, that is the <laughs> freakiest thing in the... And then it starts bleeding. And you're like, oh, <laughs> this is great. This is exactly what you want. But I was just wondering that the flashback sequences at the end, it seemed to me a little bit sort of they, when Tetsuo's out of control and the other kids, they sort of, it seems like maybe they sacrifice themselves to sort of get him back under control to spiritually merge or something. Well, it seemed like what happened was um, they start meditating on Akira's remains um, because there's throughout the thing, like we, we get it revealed that um, there's a big chamber that says Akira on it, kept at like zero degrees Kelvin <laughs> underneath this under construction Olympic Stadium, yep. which is where you'd put that. And we're supposed to believe that Akira is in there. And uh, Tetsuo, at the same time, he's being experimented on because after he sees the little psychic kid, he's spirited away by the government mm-hmm. and they start, you know, putting drugs in him and trying to sort of nurture this uh, this cosmic gift. And he's having visions and hearing Akira yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like he that. keeps seeing Akira in his head. So he eventually, like, the more he gets trained as a psychic, the angrier he gets and the more rage he has. And at one point, one of the little old kids. Um, has uh, <laughs> said something like, you know, he's too old to to take on this power. Like, we got to him too late. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a little bit like, and I hate that I'm making this reference, but it's a little bit like uh, what Yoda says about Anakin in Star Wars Episode One. Like, mm-hmm. no, you found him too late. Like, he might have the gift, but like, if we try to nurture it now, like, it's going to go all haywire and terrible. <laughs> Kids are little shits. You yeah. can't just give them that kind of power. No, you can't give, especially <laughs> not like 14-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's, no, don't do that. Don't make a psychic 14-year-old. <laughs> that's nightmare fuel um but then he finally like when he finally gets out of the hospital and goes on his big freaky psychic tear which <laughs> i remember looking at the clock when he got out of the hospital it's a two-hour movie he gets out and like the final rampage starts at the one hour mark <laughs> like the whole yeah, second half of this movie is the third act <laughs> it's nuts man yeah um but yeah, he finally gets to the chamber where Akira is kept and he opens it and he finds that it's all just like tissue samples and shit. Mm-hmm. And basically he's told that Akira destroyed his body whenever he transcended into whatever he is now. And, and they're just sort of preserving their remains for later study or whatever. Yeah, because they realize they can't get any more out of it, but they wanted to keep it around. Um, so yeah, later, whenever the three, whenever Tetsuo has gone full on like body horror and he's Cronenberg <laughs> himself. Yeah. Um, he... Uh, the the three and the little, Borg. Don't and, forget the Borg. And the Borg. Oh god, I love the scene where his like so his his, so his regular arm gets blown off by a space laser <laughs> and then he uh makes a junk arm and his junk arm starts going crazy in front of that girl who's got a crush on him and he covers it with a cape and is like it's nothing don't worry about it and there's like wires growing down the chair and everything how wires are growing don't worry about it um but i love that that's his solution is just like i'm just gonna the most short-term thinking you could ever imagine idiot well, there's a lot of impulsivity going on. Yeah. Tetsuo's just kind of an idiot. Yeah. Um, I, I like that about him. It's, you know, I, I didn't like it at first that none of these characters were particularly likable, <laughs> but I do like that, like, they never let Kaneda until the very, very end have the, like, I'm going to be the hero and let go of my childish, like, hitting on women all the time thing. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's always that guy because he's a 15 <laughs> year old kid. What did you expect? Like, he rises to the occasion and everything and he does some badass shit, but. 
yeah, he's always just going to be kind of a little shithead. Yeah. And Tetsuo would react this way. And I mean, sort of going back to the idea of uh, the culture that's been the, the victim of nuclear war, it's, it is sort of an interesting exploration of the dangers are not only the military, the dangers might be, mm-hmm. you know, the kid who has called too many names, you know, when he was yeah, young, which I yeah. guess is sort of a school shooting kind of thing. It but, is very much a school shooting kind of thing. But the idea of giving anyone that degree of power, you know, it's it's sort of a risk because, you know, they may lose it and, and rain vengeance down upon whoever wronged them earlier. They're probably going to do that if you give them power. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how so it's going to go. It, it's sort of a more interesting parable when told through the, the eyes of someone who, like, yeah, he barely has control to begin with, let yeah. alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find... Akira to be, you know, weird ass setting aside a pretty realistic use case for if you gave a 14 year old catastrophic <laughs> psychic powers. Uh-huh. Um, and I love how those psychic powers are depicted, by the way. Like, I love that we never see like sparkly, sparkly. Like there's never like bolts of energy or anything like mm-hmm. you, the, the, the power itself that he has is invisible. Like there's no particle effect to it. It's just seen through the things that affects mm-hmm. and it's brilliantly portrayed that way. Like when, uh, when he's in the hallway of the hospital <laughs> and there's like guards approaching him or something and he starts like just sort of growing a, a telekinetic bubble around him and yeah, the force orb <laughs> yeah he yeah. grows this force orb and the first <laughs> thing you see is like this dent appearing in the wall and then that grows and you see one in the ceiling and then they like grow so big that they join and you see that they were actually both part of a sphere mm-hmm. and that's like like the math behind that must be mind-boggling <laughs> but it looked just amazing it oh yeah so so good I mean, I'm sure people would hate the comparison, but I remember in um in the third Matrix movie, in the big fight in the rain, yeah, when like they collide so hard that it's just the orb of force, like the same kind of thing, yeah, and the rain stops temporarily, and then falls even harder because it's all the built up rain. Yeah, like, I just sort of love that that Akira has had that kind of cultural influence. That yeah. like, yeah, when you hit two things together really hard, that's what happens. Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> that's how you. That's how you make it look cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd I'd buy that. Sure. Well, did you read the recent quotes that the uh, the Godzilla director? Like, if a shot didn't look cool or epic enough, he would use Akira as his frame of reference of, like, really? what did we do wrong? <laughs> I thought that was neat to hear. That's awesome. <laughs> I just got even more excited about uh, Godzilla. <laughs> did you see Monsters, by the way? Monsters. No, it's, uh, was that the low-budget one? Or it's Gareth it? Edwards' movie that got him Godzilla. Oh, He no, made it for $100,000, basically with a gorilla crew just going through Mexico. Because the basic premise is that some alien, like, meteor lands in Mexico mm-hmm. and then uh, creates what the Mexicans refer to as Zona Infectada, um, All right. which is just full of weird alien biology and big freaky alien monsters that just sort of take over northern Mexico. <laughs> so the U.S. builds a border wall between it and Mexico, finally, but it's to keep the giant squid monsters out. Of course. And uh, the premise is basically that this this rich publishing magnate's daughter goes down to Mexico and goes missing. So he hires this guy to go down to Mexico and get her and bring her back. And it kind of follows their journey. But it's cool because, like, all the actors except for the guy and the girl he goes to get are just, like, locals that they found at that location and gave lines to. Oh, nice. And they did the whole thing, like, illegally shooting in Mexico. <laughs> shot it for hundred grand and got here. And, like, it's worth seeing. It's really, really, really good. I've heard good things. Um. And I'll you know, if you're as stoked as I am about Godzilla, then you're you're gonna want to watch that first. It's only <laughs> gonna get you more excited. It's a really well made film. Awesome. It's way better than anything Roland Emmerich ever made. <laughs> um, 
it's a tough yeah. bar. Yeah, we're gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, as far as Akira is concerned, um, the the main films that I kept thinking about while I was watching it were uh, Blade Runner. Obviously, mm. you can't watch it, I think, and not think about Blade Runner for even a second. <laughs> and uh, towards the end, two thousand one. Um, yeah, I could see that. And and I think um, I'm actually in the minority in that I don't find the ending of 2001 to me. Now, I actually haven't watched it in, in a few years, <laughs> but I don't find the last 20 minutes of 2001 to be terribly satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it, it's a little bit too impressionistic and a little bit too... In and I and in 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 David Bowman's head or Dave Bowman's head. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there there's a lot of sort of odd things about that ending. You get the feeling they were probably a little too enamored with that camera effect. Yeah, because good god, that journey goes on for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that fucking light show for like minutes <laughs> and minutes, and it's like okay, like I get it, that is cool looking, but like. Maybe we do a different thing now. Right. Um, I mean, maybe it was just partially a different time where like yeah. you saw a movie when it was at the theater and then maybe if there was ever a revival screening, you saw it again. Yeah. And it was a big experience people hadn't seen before. It would be a cool thing on the big screen if you hadn't seen yeah. crazy it's the psychedelic no, it's effects. It's the no Star Trek the motion picture isn't that shitty <laughs> argument. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't you. arguing that it wasn't bad. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that may be why it worked better at the time. That makes sense. I still think it's shitty, but I, <laughs> but that makes sense. Um, but I yeah, would... I feel like the very end of Akira, by contrast, walks that line perfectly mm-hmm. between like you know really conveying the unknowableness of the experience that Kaneda's having while he's at. So at the I guess to to talk about the very end, the basics of it. Uh, well, you want to take us through everything from like the moment Tetsuo becomes a horrible Cronenberg monster to the end. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's see. So he he sort of after he he breaks out and then he's sort of on the psychic rampage and they recapture him, and um and then sort of on his second breakout is where really all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And is is that where uh Kaneda and um and uh, K is that her name? K is her name. Yeah, the were, resistance fighter. Were there in the sewer trying to rescue him? And he's uh, on his way to the the kindergarten or the yeah, nursery or whatever the it's called. Baby room. Yeah, uh, yeah, where he encounters that goddamn bear again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck that bear. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's sort of where the plot lines converge yeah. at the beginning of the third act. Yeah, it's our break into three at the hour mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, was there anything particularly interesting about how sort of it escalated, or was it just him? slaughtering he did, he, people he gets as he more moved and more along. powerful and also and K, on his way to the to the akira yeah um, to go into, to meet akira where we get the reveal that akira is just a bunch of little vials of tissue yeah and like a nerve um and that <laughs> sort of stuff and we also get k's reveal of like why this power exists and everything which still in the retranslation doesn't make a ton of sense <laughs> i mean it does on its own terms which basically says that like everything like uh, every piece of life contains within it the information to make every other piece of life or mm-hmm. every other type of life. Sort of like history is embedded in genetic code that's scattered throughout. It was translated a, a little strangely. Yeah, like, but the basic idea I think is that like you know, uh, even though an amoeba has the inner has the information within it genetically to build bridges and write philosophy and stuff, it it can't. Um, because it hasn't actualized that information yet, but humans have. Mm-hmm. And basically think about all the things that humans have the information inside of them genetically to do that we can't actualize because we haven't accessed it. And the idea behind this program 
um, with these little psychic kids and now Tetsuo and before Akira is that scientists have reached into these kids' minds and turned that switch on, basically, mm-hmm. and created the potential to do things way beyond normal human abilities because it's the, the ability is inside of all of us. But these kids have had it turned on is the basic idea. Is that is that what you got out of it? Yeah, I mean, that that definitely sounds about right. There's um, what did you make particularly of the uh, I believe the one CG effect in the movie is the uh, the spinning pattern. Oh, well, and sort of how closely Tetsuo's ends up matching Akira's. Well, and... Akira's is the big dome. Uh-huh. And then Tetsuo's is the little crown that makes Calypso music. Well, what, Did you notice that it made Calypso music, by the way? <laughs> I wasn't paying that close of attention. Yeah, it definitely, like, every time it shows up, this nice little, like, steel drum beat starts playing. <laughs> and I think they're going for something. It's like, look how mystical. But I was just like, ooh, making the Jamaica face. All right. But don't they don't they sort of compare Tetsuo's pattern they with do. another pattern early on? They compare on? it with Akira's pattern, and they say they're similar, but I don't see it. Because one of them's a dome, <laughs> and the other one's a Calypso crown. <laughs> so... I mean, yeah, there's there's a little bit of scientific hand-waving and midichlorians yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, sort of d- jumping back to, to what we were saying earlier about sort of why they, how Tetsuo's involved in this, is I believe one of the bigger questions in the plot where either it's a complication or a plot hole or something they couldn't cover from the manga mm-hmm. is if if it is a coincidence that he has this sort of mental link and all this stuff, then why did they bring this random biker back yeah. from this thing? Like, it, it's really kind of unclear. I mean, the nearest thing that we can infer is that, like, meeting the little old kid, um, like, turned it on, mm-hmm. turned, flipped the switch for Tetsuo, so mm-hmm. he had to be taken back and experimented upon. Um, or maybe maybe they're just nabbing people. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a definite plot hole. Like that, and it's at how least do, underexplained. <laughs> yeah, that and how do people in the public know who Akira is? Are both like sort of glossed over in a way that I find kind of unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the movie's so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> just just let it go. Yeah. Um. I guess a couple other things I was going to mention. You said mm-hmm. movies it reminded you of. Yeah. I thought the the terrorism aspect uh, was kind of reven- reminiscent of Brazil. Mm. Very much like any place that you are, there might be an explosion from the back room, yeah. and you'll be sent running. Yeah, and just sort of the you know dissatisfaction with the government and not yeah. trusting anybody was sort of a, a nice dystopian yeah. nod. Um, I can't remember which one yeah. came out first, but. But either way, I'm sure it was coincidental, but noticeable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, the ending um, where you were going to take us through the end. Oh, yes, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh, so so Tetsuo is working his way toward the Akira storage chamber, and sort yeah. of his powers are escalating further and further. Also, where, a coup uh, happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other thing. We won't get into it, but there is a coup. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sort of seems like there's a revolution happening alongside in the background. Yeah. Like, maybe even just the protesters are like, well, there's mayhem, so that means it's time to loot like, yeah. or do whatever. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so he's he's sort of working toward the, the containment facility. His powers are getting scarier and more and more out of control. Yeah. Um, he, it's when he's already in the stadium that like his arm starts exploding and he swells up and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? What happens is they, they, they sort of sick their ultimate weapon on him, the Sol 740, <laughs> this satellite-based fucking badass laser yeah and uh they had forgotten he goes up in space (laughs) yeah that's the coolest part he uh he gets shot and they hit him close enough that they blow off one of his arms and tetsuo's like fuck this and he goes into orbit 
like reaches into the satellite using his freaky psychic powers and then just starts firing on Neo Tokyo <laughs> with this uh with this satellite weapon and it's totally awesome and then he like rides it back to earth and it burns up on re-entry. I did love the the shot of like a uh, their radar or whatever with just the giant cluster of yeah. remnants of it. And they're like what is that? I think that's the Sol, sir. <laughs> yeah, guys, it definitely is. <laughs> um so at that point that's when he he builds the junk arm for himself mm-hmm. and he goes into the Olympic stadium and sits down on this Olympic throne that's yeah. there for some reason. <laughs> and that's when his techno organic junk arm starts like growing wires and everything. And I loved how it like grew wires that fused it with the arm of the throne mm-hmm. and then when he got up he like ripped part of the throne <laughs> off with him that was that made me pretty happy yeah it's a very cool representation of like losing control in every way yeah <laughs> yeah and then sort of once he's from that point then the the transformation is sort of taking off and he's truly losing control and it swallows up his girlfriend yeah and uh he's pleading with uh i guess this is the flip where he's ready to ask for help yeah, and he's yeah. swelling up to the size of a city, and he swallows up Kaneda, and uh, and he's saying, "Please, please help me, Kaneda." And then we see his girlfriend get get just oh that that, that effect. <laughs> yeah, she like gets squished, and this little pocket that she's in just fills up with blood. I'm like oh yeah, it's so gross. And it's in the middle of pleading, where like in any other movie, you'd assume this is like the verge of her being saved miraculously. Yeah, no, <laughs> and she like just... they don't even finish pleading for her life before you see her crushed to death. Yeah, she pleads and cries, <laughs> and then that's that for her. <laughs> Ugh. But uh, yeah, and that's when the three psychic kids they've decided that they're gonna go like try and help. Mm-hmm. And so they line up the 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 vials of Akira tissue sample, and they start like meditating on it or something. And then they resurrect Akira, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it did seem that way. Yeah, like they'd seen like all the vials explode and then they come together and then there's like this little naked kid just standing there. He's needed to neutralize the energy or yeah. something. Well, that's when everything started like receding at that point. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the huge splody ball started. <laughs> Which, where did the splody ball come from? Where did it come from? Yeah. Um. Well, I thought it was sort of... Didn't they need, like, they needed to kind of resurrect Akira or bring his energy to the fore or whatever to stop the reaction? Mm-hmm. But it that doesn't mean that it wasn't a repeat of 1988. Like, it was still unleashing his psychic powers was sort of how I took it. So the idea is that, like, so is it Akira that causes the splody ball or is that Tetsuo's ball? I think that it's, it's from Akira mm-hmm. from sort of... Just like as, as the only energy greater than like it, it was the focused energy of him that he was able to contain Tetsuo in this impending disaster, but just by the nature of unleashing him, which was you know, sort of what happened. It's worth saying how much worse would it have been to just let Tetsuo go on a big <laughs> rampage because like by the end this explosion wipes out the city. Yeah, like everything is destroyed. Well, I mean, what if Tetsuo's like the gray goo or whatever yeah, and just okay, continues okay. to grow and consume the earth <laughs> okay okay i mean that maybe 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 <laughs> the he grossest it. sequel of all time oh just oh it's god. like the blob but with a lot more eyes and organs and <laughs> oh god have you seen the blob remake from the 80s uh not recently uh, you should watch it sometime it's really gross <laughs> doesn't they, it turn red it's pink and uh it just dissolves everything it touches like it it like a 10 year old kid gets dissolved graphically (laughs) wow yeah it's real gross huh yeah you should watch it it's really cool um so yeah i mean that's the only thing i was unclear on is just kind of what was happening there in that pivotal moment i got that akira came back and then we saw like the freaky flesh 
stuff start to kind of recede mm-hmm. because the the general who had just let a coup was all was about to die and then the the bulges let him go and um <laughs> then this huge wave of destruction happened and i didn't really get what that was supposed to be um and then the uh the three psychic kids are like if we go in then we can save uh we can save the boy and i think they were talking about Canada at mm-hmm. that point um so they go in there and they seem to like just wibbly wobbly timey wimey him on out of there i don't really know <laughs> yeah and the scientist before he dies uh proclaims that it's like the birth of the universe and then he just gets crushed <laughs> ah, i love that <laughs> just fuck you too scientist <laughs> oh i forget exactly when it was i think maybe when they're descending in the elevator yeah. down to the storage thing when <laughs> I mean, maybe the the point was that it was the military talking, but uh, the colonel describing about how it's always the military who's concerned with risk, not these reckless scientists. It's like, <laughs> oh, is that how it works usually? That's funny. <laughs> reckless scientists. Yeah, that was awesome. And I I I I, I, I generally like that scientist. He was he was a good guy to have around. I was I was no, I, I was pretty happy to see him go the way he did because that was hilarious. I mean, it's definitely like a fun exposition kind of like see who's been toiling over this for the past couple decades <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um so yeah then once the big like explodey glow ball starts expanding like canada gets sucked into it k gets sucked into it because she's been used as like a psychic vessel or something by the this is a hard movie to explain <laughs> yeah like it was a uh, esper number 25 or i have the name written down yeah somewhere. yeah she's number was, 25 yeah yeah was uh, she got was the 25 of... tattooed on her palm <laughs> yeah. which is fucking gnarly and <laughs> uh, not penny's boat yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so there is there was a lot going on <laughs> yeah like and it's weird because like when we sat down to talk about it you know i had my i had it in my head that it was a pretty dense movie but like it doesn't really occur to you how dense it is until you start trying to explain it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait, yeah, they never really said like that was why this was happening. Like in the moment, and this is kind of the magic of the film, is in the moment, I didn't really question why Akira showed up and then there was a giant glowing ball. I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that would probably like there's a lot of energy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what would happen. Science. Yeah. And like you're never in the moment like like you there are moments in the movie for me where where i'm asking myself wait what's going on here what's happening but not nearly as much as i'd think Mm -hmm. like it felt dense in a really in a way that made the universe feel really fully realized but it never felt dense the way um a bad movie does um, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of a good example of a movie that's just way too over. Oh, Southland Tales. Southland oh. <laughs> Tales is the bad kind of dense. Yeah, I still have to see that oh, for dude. discussion, if nothing else. Yeah, no, it's uh, Southland Tales. Guys, see it. It's a terrible movie, <laughs> but it's the most nobly terrible movie you've ever seen. It's got so many ideas and like 80% of them are really stupid. I was trying. But it really believes in its ideas. And like <laughs> for it doesn't fail for any of the reasons movies usually fail. But <laughs> fail it does and spectacularly, <laughs> but not for the reasons you'd think. Well, I mean, Akira, like the, it, there's just so much beautiful imagery and mm-hmm. it's always sort of evocative of something or other to, to really keep you engaged. Anytime something stops making sense, you're just distracted by a pretty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, describing it's like the uh, the beginning of the universe and then the ball um, 
like recedes into a tiny point of light in Canada's yeah. hands. Like it has sort of a big bang yeah. thing going on. And then like, he glows for a second. Yes, that's true. Which was kind of nice, I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He's imbued with something. Cosmic power. He's a silver surfer, man. <laughs> yeah. And there was a Tetsuo voiceover at the end where he introduces himself pre-credits. Which oh. I thought was kind of an interesting. Yeah, like, no, I like that. It was, what, what do they say? Like it's already begun. Yeah, 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 the the little Esper last line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was super fucking cool. <laughs> and uh, someday we should be able to. I wrote down, which was another someday sort of. We should be able to. There were a couple of like sentence fragments at the end that didn't yeah. quite mesh, but they were pointing. When you're in like that that weird black hole and like shit's flying by you and everything, there at the end, yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, just to to look at it with a fresh eye. I mean, it's tough. Because I don't know as much about animation as I do about live action filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I can't really bring a lot of the same tools to bear. Like, I can't really talk about Lynn's choice with, uh, with, with this movie or, you know, those sort of choices people will make because the process for animation is just completely different. And the, um, the air quotes lighting was gorgeous. Oh, like, God, it was so good. You get the feeling that's where, uh, you know, as you look through the credits, there are, you know, as many animator names as there are CG artists on Iron Man 3. Oh, yeah. Like that in a pre-CG time, I feel like that's the only time you had credits like that. Yeah. Was, oh, we need these 12 animation studios or whatever yeah. to work full time on this project for us. Yeah. And, um, and it, 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 the craftsmanship definitely 100% shows through. I mean, even, even at the end when pretty much all you're watching is memories intercut with a giant explosion for like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. um, it's still just gorgeous. Yeah. And the destruction of this city. Still don't know if. Uh, summoning Akira was a net win, though. I'm stuck on that. <laughs> like, I really think that maybe the the army should have considered just nuking the shit out of uh, that Olympic stadium, mm-hmm. and then just hoping that, like, just turning Tetsuo into a giant ball of slag. Sure, we would have lost all the heroes of our movie, but we would have kept like a city. I mean, when he brings down that satellite, that may have been their kind of like, all right, what else do we got? <laughs> yeah, that's true. They did lose their satellite. And, you know, maybe Japan's not a nuclear power for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Which, sorry, Japan. Um, <laughs> it's still pretty awkward. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. There's, there's so much that I want to go into, but at some point I start feeling like I'm just sort of imposing my own narrative on this movie. Yeah, I mean, sort of, again, I I know so little about sort of the inside of Japanese culture and actually living yeah. there, but it, it does seem like the 14-year-old, the angry 14-year-old wielding, you know, the world's greatest power may very well be a, a parable for the last time that happened. Oh. <laughs> so, but again, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely could be. I mean, it, it shows up a whole, whole lot. Like, I, I, think... I can't imagine they look back happily. And it's a good <laughs> thing World War II ended quickly, like yeah. the way we do. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, history is written by the winners. And it's worth noting, definitely, that, like, the narrative we have of, like, dropping that atomic bomb is very, very different from how a lot of other people talk oh, about sure. it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's popular here to say, you know, oh, well, we, you know, a costly invasion saved millions of lives, blah, 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 into the war faster and everything. But like, not everybody sees it that way. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're wrong to see it that way. I'm just saying not everybody else does. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, justified or not, we are still the only people on the only country on earth that ever nuked another city on purpose (laughs) yeah 
it's a little awkward <laughs> yeah hopefully it won't happen again it'll be a nice you know history book thing no no it's totally gonna happen again yeah right? i know it's it's absolutely gonna happen again and it's gonna it's gonna be it's not gonna be like a giant ass nuclear weapon it's gonna be like a dirty bomb or something which is going to be way worse. <laughs> 3D printed. Yeah, it's going to be a 3D printed dirty bomb. <laughs> uh, just feed some uranium into your MakerBot. <laughs> it's not good, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, what else do you want to say about Akira? I'm, I'm just sort of, like I said, it's so fucking dense. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, all I can say with a lot of reliability is like, yeah, all the scenes were really cool. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I thought sort of one thing that was an interesting aspect of the, the sort of mob and all the cult and all that stuff yeah. is what would happen in a modern society, let alone one sort of filled with violence, if there was like a religious cult and a lot of the stuff they started talking about was manifesting. Yeah. Like there are giant, mysterious, supernatural explosions and stuff. Like I, I feel like we have to deal with a lot of weirdo fundamentalists in a world where nothing really has happened. Ever confirms their theories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what would happen if like if you know, and this obviously never would happen, but what <laughs> if like, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church was protesting some funeral and Jesus came down and was like, You're right, I don't like them. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> like what would that do to the what they like I mean, on the one hand, like the the easy thing to say would oh that totally reinforces their their narrative, but like I think a big part of how those groups gain power is through a persecution complex mm -hmm. and like feeling anointed like that um, would sort of take the wind out of their sails. I mean, it would be great in the short term, but in the long term, like everybody else would probably take notice of that incident and probably come over to their side and then dilute their message. Yeah. I mean, the, it gets into really thorny territory getting into that yeah. kind of cult stuff. But I mean, the, the questionable use of the word faith yeah. As like a thing that strengthened the less likely it is to be true. Yeah. And it's touted as a virtue. Like, yeah, things things get weird. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. They, they they get odd quickly. And that's <laughs> that's a little bit what happened here, except everybody died in a bridge collapse. Yeah. Um, that, this movie was not shy. No, man. <laughs> I think this is this is probably like the most impactfully gory movie. I don't know, maybe I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, half the, the dude's face getting shot off in the sewer. Oh, God, Kaneda wow. shoots a guy's face off. <laughs> um, and they dwell on that shot for a yeah, while. Yeah, and they have him just fall into some sewage. <laughs> With and his partner looking, throwing up. <laughs> yeah, and you're looking at that going, yeah, if he wasn't dead, like he, that's going to get infected. <laughs> that's uh, that's no good. <laughs> or just like all the blunt force trauma. Like they just it's so, all the animation's so impactful. Well, isn't it the preacher like he was about to fall and someone saved him and then they both got hit by a car or yeah. something. <laughs> they both got hit by a car and then fell into the water. That's the kind of movie we're dealing with. Yeah. It's, it, there's definitely these weird little moments of dark humor. Like the, like the scientists being like birth of the universe. And then the tank just implodes around him. Oh, and speaking of never like sort of seeking audience approval, uh, yeah. two dogs get shot like in the opening minutes. That's the like <laughs> second thing that happens. I had forgotten about that. This dude just plugs some dogs and then just gets <laughs> shot to shit. Oh, <laughs> this neo tokyo does not look like a fun would you go live in neo tokyo i mean if you didn't know like what was gonna happen i mean i have to imagine the news coverage gives you some hints 
of like it's not the most stable place to live. Yeah. I guess I don't know what the rest of Japan but is like. But the average population, like, I mean, it seemed like such a huge place that, like, sure, there were protests and sure, there were bombings. But, like, I felt like statistically your chances of being involved in one of those things wasn't that great. It's kind of like, like dread. Like, look at how many of those towers there are. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's got to be some people having semi-normal lives. <laughs> one hopes, you know. Um, but I still, like, I, I think they did a really good job of showing, like, how unaffected the average person can be by something like that. Like, the terrorist threat, was it just the right level where you felt like people could still go about their business mm-hmm. in terms of frequency of, of, of explosions? And I thought the the sort of gang interaction express that really well of yeah. like this is obviously a very tumultuous time and these people have hard lives yeah but they're still just fucking around and getting drunk and taking pills and yeah and joyriding and taking <laughs> capsules yes exactly <laughs> yeah they are all about their capsules and that's i love that that's when like when tetsuo really goes out the deep end is when he just gets himself <laughs> like a handful of uppers uh-huh. and just starts munching them fucking things and his telekinesis <laughs> just goes nut bar oh it's so cool Oh, what's what's the name of the rat man in Harry Potter? <laughs> oh, um Pettigrew, Peter Pettigrew. Yes, I was trying to remember it the whole time he I was does. watching that I know politician. Who you're talking about. <laughs> that one council member looks just like Peter Pettigrew. And then he just dies of a heart attack with a mouthful of drugs. While the yeah. guy he shot walks right on by. <laughs> but they it's okay. They all died. Yeah. Everyone in Neo Tokyo is dead. It was nice that he made it a little bit further. Yeah. Except Kay and Kaneda. They are the two people and uh, the dude with the tie. He gets to live, too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it seems like pretty much the rest of Neo-Tokyo doesn't. It's been wiped out. Like, <laughs> summoning Akira did nothing. Like, those, well, I mean, which is why, you know, maybe you don't uh, don't entrust the defense of the city to a bunch of 45-year-old children. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. Words to live by, y'all. Um, yeah, I feel like we bounced around and, like, I, I just... I didn't feel like there was an easy way in with this movie the way there was with like Groundhog Day when we talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of that 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 that's this is a harder one to talk about than others. And I yeah. feel it, for the anime fans out there who found this while you were searching iTunes, I'm sorry if we did a disservice. <laughs> I feel like I I I I wasn't quite as able to like get his film analysis with it as I would have liked just because it is so opaque in terms of meaning. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's there's a lot going on, but there's also like I guess it's it is it it's really pretty and it's entertaining. But at the end of the day, like when I think about analyzing a film, the one of the first things I try to get into is like who are the characters and what do they want. And these characters are all very thin. <laughs> like that's just how it is, you know. I mean, it's it's almost as if it was a true story in that like people don't generally write fiction this way. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. there's there's not a lot identifiable, there's not a lot of redemption for anybody. Yeah. Like no one it's, really has an arc. Like it just feels still like a this... dick at the end and Tetsuo blows up. <laughs> like But it, it does just Tetsuo feel like this, has an arc. this awful thing was sort of documented. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess that's what feels different about it. Yeah, that is definitely what it is. Like, no, we just watched the collapse of a civilization. <laughs> like that's the last days. And then then they ride then the three people who aren't dead ride off and that's that. <laughs> Like, I guess we're done. I mean, at the very end, you do feel like Kaneda has kind of, like, stopped being quite so, uh, like, childish and dickish. Mm -hmm. But, like, even as, like, Tetsuo has gone, like, full-on crazy, 
like Kaneda's approaching him with like he's not saying like hey buddy we can talk about this he's like you always were a wimp like he's just Sup, egging twerp. him on yeah like I'm like dude this is not the time for that like you need to de-escalate the situation his machismo was being challenged oh, he was oozing machismo I guess uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about Akira we're coming up on the hour mark um no, I mean, I think we had kind of a scattershot approach. Yeah. It's worked better than some other convoluted plots I've tried to go through. Yeah, so. you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to summarize than The Fountain, but uh, <laughs> I liked watching it more than The Fountain. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah, never going to watch The Fountain again, JP. <laughs> never going to do it. Um, done with The Fountain. Um, right. But, uh, you know, uh, talking about it, I think I know what I want to watch next time. Let's watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Yeah, um, especially because... I had been meaning to rewatch it recently because um, I uh, finally read the book or listened to the audio book more accurately. And I read a whole bunch about like how Kubrick and Clark developed the plot of the book alongside each other. And the like, as Kubrick was filming, Clark was rewriting the book and like the two sort of played off of each other. And I think the third act of 2001, um, the film and the third act of 2001, the book, are great companion pieces because they're a great way of narratively having your cake and eating it too. Hmm. Um, because as we talked about earlier, 2001, the third act, and again, this is all just what I remember. I'm gonna. That's why I want to fucking rewatch it. Is uh, what is very much in Dave Bowman's head. You're not really given any information about what any of what you're seeing means, but the book. And from a plot standpoint, does pretty explicitly spell out for you what happens mm-hmm. and why these Less things are guard. Yeah. I mean, it's still really weird, <laughs> um, but it is a little bit easier to sort of grasp. Hmm. Um, so I think I, I mean, I really like thinking about these two just in, in, uh, in terms of, like I said, narratively having your cake and eating it too. Um, and would like to rewatch the film just to see how it works on its own and how it works now that I kind of have this handhold to pull me through the third act and tell me like, no, this is why these are things, these things are happening. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're going to watch Stanley Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey. When did you watch it last? Uh, it's been probably at least five years, something like that. Okay. Whenever okay. it was last in 70 millimeter in Hollywood. <laughs> okay. You're due. Yeah. Um, if you want sort of a, a little interesting thing to research, maybe to talk about next time, uh, look up the score for that movie and it's oh, a sad and interesting story. I know exactly what happened and that is sad. Have you heard the guy's score? Uh, bits and pieces of it. I heard it's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I believe just not as good as like Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe in the in the internet age now, like it's fairly easy to get a hold of it and the cue sheet of when you would start it to make it match against the movie. Oh, cool! Now, yeah. if you can just get a hold of a scoreless cut of uh, 2001: A yeah. Space Odyssey. Well, I mean, it's not overabundant with dialogue. <laughs> you can probably. <laughs> well, you just don't want it playing over the score. Yeah, you know. Well, you just mute the TV. Oh, anyway, I see. I see. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that. All right. Uh, well, I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed Akira as much as we did. Uh, sorry for the scattershot nature of it. Like I said, it's a dense fucking thing, and all the characters are really thin. So it's just kind of hard to find a way in. Um, but we will see you next time, and we'll talk about another weird, opaque, spacey thing. Thanks for listening.